Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 5 through 6 this morning. It's not a typical Pentecost Sunday scripture. Uh, I had planned a different message for today, but as this week I was away on vacation. As you can probably see, I'm a little bit tan. Spent a lot of time on the beach, spent a lot of time in the ocean just swimming. I can float for hours in the ocean. Uh, searching for sand, dollar, sand, sand dollars for my for Aubrey and Connor and, and uh, trying to find all the nice shells and that type of thing. Running up and down the beach, just had a wonderful time. But as I was there, I was reading, and as I was reading, I felt led in a different direction. I took a message with me to preach today, but this has all changed. So today we're still going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday, but we're going to take a little different look at it. Today we continue our series entitled, Defining Moments. You see, life is full of defining moments. Right now, you're either facing a defining moment, or you're in between a defining moment. Along life's journey, there are landmarks that we could mark as defining moments in our lives. And I've shared with you, one of those was May 19th when I chose to marry my wife. She chose to marry me. And this last Friday evening, we celebrated our, ninth, our 33rd anniversary with my parents and my brother in Florida. And we just had a wonderful time. Well, that was a defining moment in my life. But the most significant defining moment of my life was that moment when I decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, it's direction, not intention, that determines our destination. The direction we choose, not our intention, determines where we will end up in life. This is true financially. It's true relationally. It's true professionally. It's true academically. And it's even true spiritually. It was John Wesley who said, it is true what they say, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You see, it's direction, not intention, that determines our destination. And so the question for you this morning is this, where are you headed? I'm not talking about someday in the future. I'm talking about right now, right today. Where are you headed? Where are your feet pointed towards? Are they pointed towards the things of God? Are they pointed towards the things of this world? Now, when I was there in Florida, we went golfing on a Tuesday with my brother and my stepfather. And and I'm not really much of a golfer, and and it was hot. and, And I was golfing with my mother's golf clubs. And so it was a little bit difficult. I didn't even have my own sticks to work with. And, and I, it wasn't a terrible game, but it wasn't my best golf game either. And I kept slicing it off to the right. And, uh, and my feet were headed in the right direction, but my brother said my body was turned. I kept saying, I keep hitting it to the right. And he said, well, your feet are headed in the right direction, but your body is not. And a lot of times we're like that, aren't we? We have one foot in the, in the world and the other foot in the church. And we find ourselves riding this fence. 
And the question for you today is this. In what direction are you headed? Are you all in? Are you a follower of Christ Monday through Sunday? Are you living a life of faith? Are you being guided by godly principles and godly standards? Are you modeling before your children what it means to be a follower of Christ? In what direction are you headed? Not not tomorrow. I'm talking about right now, at this moment, at this time. Where are your feet pointed? Are you like this? (laughs) Kind of straddling the fence? Where are you headed? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you to become the person that God has created you to be? On this Pentecost Sunday... On this Sunday where we celebrate the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are you allowing Him to guide you and to direct you on your journey of faith? You see in Acts 1, Christ prepares the way for the birth of the church. And in chapter 2, the church is born. In Acts 1, the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, He comes. In Acts 1, they are equipped by Christ. And in chapter 2, they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, we find one of the greatest transitions in all of Scripture. It marks the end of the old age and the beginning of the new. Up until now, the Spirit of God was with God's people. But from now on, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit would dwell in us. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life? And to have complete control of your life? You see, divine direction begins with submission. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, with my attitude. Yes, Lord, with my thoughts. Yes, Lord, with my actions. Yes, Lord, with my finances. Yes, Lord, with my time. Yes, Lord, with my talents. It's it's submission to our Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to the things of God. And so we're invited in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Are you trusting in the Lord with all of your heart? I mean, are you all in? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Look at it again. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Don't trust your heart. Trust God with your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. The term translated trust carries with it the idea of laying down helplessly, face down, completely vulnerable before God. Trusting Him for your future. Being totally dependent upon Him. Trusting in the Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want, Lord. Are you trusting Him today? 
We've often heard the argument that experience in life is the best teacher. And that may be true, but it's only half true. You see, experience can be a very brutal teacher. And learning from experience can eat up years of your time and, and, steal, and steal from you entire stages of life. Experience can leave scars, inescapable memories, and often regret. Sure, we, we do learn from our experience. And some of you have experienced more of life than you care to admit. And you can testify to the reality that experience is a cruel teacher. And you understand the scripture in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus has an encounter with a sinful woman. And the Pharisee is appalled by the fact that she throws herself at Jesus' feet and she anoints him with, with oil. And Jesus says, He who has been forgiven much loves much. You understand that. Because experience has taught you that the grace of God is undeserved. And you stand in awe of His presence because of His mercy and His grace in your life. Romans 3.23 makes it very clear. We are all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us, every single one of us needs to recognize that we're saved not by our works but by His grace. And we need to be grateful to the Savior. Now, if you're a younger person today, in your 20s, I I want you to listen to this. Are, Are you listening? See, all youth lack judgment. Because judgment requires experience. Young people haven't lived long enough to acquire the experience that they need to produce Good judgment. We know this is true. We remember our adolescence. We know some of the decisions we made that were foolish as an adolescent. When we went through that first breakup, it just tore us apart because we had nothing to base it upon. The emotion was new to us. We were overwhelmed by it. That first time we were jealous or angry, we were overwhelmed by those emotions. Some of you are smiling because <laughs> you remember. You see, life is a series of first, the first date, the first kiss. How many remember your first kiss? She was about 15. I was probably about 15. I don't know why I was kissing a girl at 15, but. She was a foot taller than me and had red hair. First kiss. I still have a stiff neck to this day. <laughs> we remember our first semester away from home, our, our first job, our first marriage. Hopefully, that's it. Our first child, our first investment decision, our first home. Our first loan. And each of these firsts is a step in a direction. Every first step is a step down 
a path. As you take the steps on your journey of faith, do you consider the things of God in all your ways? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, as a young person, what you need to do is to learn to trust God and to make sure your feet are pointed in the right direction. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because the truth is, you haven't had enough experience in life to make good judgment. And so you need to look not only to God and His Word and to to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, but you need to look to those who have gone down this journey of faith. People that, men and women that you have faith in, men and women who are followers of Christ, don't make the same mistakes that so many of us make. Learn from the mistakes of others. Learn from God's Word. Learn from being sent to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Take to heart this scripture. Trust in the Lord. With all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In Shante Feldman's book, For Parents Only, she cites a study claiming that the frontal lobe of the human brain doesn't fully develop until the mid-twenties. The frontal lobe holds the reasoning skills of an individual. This explains why adolescents often sometimes engage in risky activities. The point is that youth lack judgment that comes with age and and maturity. And so if you're a young person today, the solution is to trust the Lord with all of your heart. To keep your feet pointed towards godliness and holiness. To live for Him one day at a time. To be guided by his biblical principles in life. Trust in the Lord. Brad Praisley in his song, Letter to Me, reflects on what it would be, reflects on what he would write to himself if he had an opportunity to send a letter back in time to himself at age 17. It's kind of a crazy thought. We know that there's no such thing as time travel. But if you're like me, I often think about it. I often think about what I would tell myself if I could. Investments I would avoid and the investments that I would make. I think about these things because I counsel with young people and I try to help them to make financial decisions as they begin their marriage together. Not only to pay their tithe and and to give to the church and to make that a pattern in their lives, but also begin to pay 10% towards themselves, towards their retirement, to begin to plan for their future. You see, we begin to think about what we would say to ourselves. And so when I have that opportunity to have a young person in my office and to begin to counsel them and to guide them, I think about what I would have liked to have heard when I was in their shoes. The question is, if you received that letter, would you listen? And here's one of the, some of the things that Brad's, Brad Paisley says in his song. It says, each and every time you have a fight, just assume you're wrong and dad's right. <laughs> I like that. Each and, t- each and every time you have a fight, just assume you're wrong and dad's right. I know at 17 it's hard to see past Friday night. 
I wish you'd study Spanish. I wish you'd take a typing class. I wish you wouldn't worry. Let it be. I'd say have a little faith and you'll see. You see, we often think about that, what we would say to ourselves. And we translate that into what we would say to our children. And often they don't hear our advice. And that's one of the reasons it's so important for our children to be in the church. You know, the church is a place of health. Spiritual health. Spiritual well-being. It's a place where our kid children are reaffirmed in their faith. Where they hear the things that we teach in the home. Repeated by respected adults. Those that they admire in the family of faith in this community. You know, I've often heard parents say about their teenagers, well, she doesn't want to come. He doesn't want to come. I have a question for you. If your son or daughter is sick, do you give them a choice whether they go to the doctor or not? No, if they have tonsillitis, you take them to the doctor because you know that they're not going to get better. If your son or daughter is not doing well spiritually, are they making the choices for your family? Are you being the spiritual leader of your home? You see, we have interns like Jonathan Childers for a purpose, to train others in understanding what it means to pastor children and to to be a godly example before our children. And then we have pastors like Pastor Trey and Pastor Ryan who are living out their faith on a daily purpose, on a daily, daily, uh, daily, purposely following Christ. Endeavoring to be a godly example, to be salt and light in this community of faith. I encourage you as parents, bring your children to church. Live out your faith before them. You see, it's a time of self-reflection, isn't it? And I ask you this question. Are there any discrepancies between God's direction for your life and what you're doing with your life? In what direction are you headed? Remember, it's the direction, not the intention, that determines our destination. When I was a child, I, I watched every Sunday night, once a year, I mean, once, once a year on a Sunday night, the show, the movie, The Wizard of Oz. You probably did too. I, I started out watching it on black and white TV. And it was a time where really there were three main uh, broadcast channels, CBS, NBC, and ABC. They determined everything that we would watch, the news that we would hear. And every year on a particular Sunday night, the Wizard of Oz would be shown. I, I look forward to it. We sat down as a family. It was a family time. And we watched the Wizard of Oz together on that Sunday evening every year. And, of course, you remember the story, the, the good witch goes to Dorothy, and Dorothy wants to get home. And in order to get home, she needs to go see the Wizard of Oz. And Dorothy asked the good witch, well, how do I get home? How do I get to Oz? And the good witch says, follow the yellow brick road. 
And, of course, the munchkins join in. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow. I told myself earlier I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't know why I never listened to myself. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now I want you to look at that word, lean not. And I want to ask the question in life, what do you prop yourself up against? You see, Solomon is instructing us to lean on the Lord rather than leaning on our own understanding or our own insight. Some of us lean on relationships, and when the relationship falls apart, we fall apart. Some of us lean upon jobs and and, uh, our careers, and when the job falls apart and our career falls apart, we fall apart because we're leaning on things and not on God. And yet God is the anchor God is the source of our strength. He is the source of our courage. What are you leaning on? Years ago, Debbie and I were in uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, serving at the West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. There was a young couple there. They were just a few years older than us, and they took an interest in us. And and, uh, they had this really, uh, this Toyota Corolla that they helped us to buy. It was probably worth two, three thousand dollars. They were going to trade it in, but they really weren't going to get that much on the trade in. And, and they asked us, would we like to have it for eight hundred dollars? Well, that was a great buy. We had one car. We'd survived for ten years on one car. Never owned our own home. We were renting at the time and just serving in the Lord in ministry. And, and, um, and this couple offers us this. He was pretty well-to-do. He was in the computer business and was in the early stages of that and just was moving up the ladder. They had this beautiful Sears home. It was a three-story building with a basement, kind of a crawl space, and then it had an attic over top of that. So actually there were four floors. Amazing. All this woodwork and architecture in this Sears home is a home that you actually could purchase through Sears and Roebuck. Go through the catalog and find it and then have it built on your home. A beautiful home. Well, they went through a difficult time financially. He lost his job. And the things that they were leaning on fell apart. They'd served the Lord faithfully. They'd loved us dearly. They cared for others. And they were beginning to ask the question, Lord, how can you allow this to happen? We pay our tithe. We live our lives faithfully. We're raising our children in the church. We're leaders in the church. We're board members. We sacrifice our time, our talents. How can this happen? And I'm I'm questioning the same thing. Lord, how can you? This is one of the best families in our church. How can this happen? It looks like they're going to lose their Sears and Roebuck home, this home that they loved up on the hill. 
And on a Sunday morning, Lynn stands up and she testifies. She says, it looks like we're going to lose everything. But the Lord's been speaking to me. And I realized that I've been leaning on things and not on God. I have a husband that I love dearly and he loves me dearly. And I have children that we cherish. God has blessed us beyond measure, she said. I'm afraid that far too often we take our eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And sometimes we have to almost have to lose everything to come to grips with the reality that everything that we have is a gift from God. And on that day, on that Sunday morning, she was just praising God for his faithfulness to her. It wasn't long after that that the Lord restored them. They didn't lose their Sears and Roebuck home. He got another job and, and began to make a difference for the kingdom of God as he had all along. We often purchase things, sometimes things that we don't really need because they make us happy. I don't know about you, but I have, I have a lot of suits in my closet. I have a lot of shirts, more shirts than I need. I have a lot of ties. Now, this tie was a tie that I bought for Jeff Anglin's wedding. I, I love to do that because every time I wear the tie, I pray for the couple. Now, if I'd been smart today, I would have worn a red tie that I bought for Emily Schmidt's wedding. But I wasn't thinking when I put my clothes out last night. <laughs> But we buy things we don't really need because it makes us happy. But we have to ask the question, happy now or happy later? You see, we often hear the question when we go to the cash register, will that be cash or credit? And really the question ought to be, happy now or happy later? You see, if we pay cash for something we can afford, we could be happy later. A little less happy now because we don't have the cash in our pocket. But if we pay for credit, pay credit for something we can't afford, we might be unhappy later when the bill comes due. Why do we often, why, why do we opt so often for short-term happiness over long-term happiness. Why do we so often choose a path that takes us where we've already decided that we don't want to go? I mean, we're intelligent people. We're smart people. But so often, well, we do the things that make us happy now. But if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we need to think of the bigger picture. If we're going to live lives of generosity, if we're going to live lives of grace, we need to think of a bigger picture. Who says, I want to create debt that becomes so great and so overwhelming that it will destroy my marriage? And yet, how often does that happen? Who does that? Yet, over and over again, smart, intelligent people 
make decisions to be happy now, not realizing how important that decision will affect their future. You see, we're all on a path, we're on a journey, and there's a destination. I'm afraid that far too often we listen to our heart, what we want, and then assign to our head the responsibility of figuring out how to justify this. Yeah, we buy a car, maybe it's a newer car to us, and we justify it by saying the mileage was eating us alive. The car we had was perfectly fine, and yet we go in debt for something we really didn't need, and we justify it. Rationally, you know it wasn't a good financial decision, but you justify it anyway. I think all of us have been there many times. There's been many financial decisions I have made along the way that weren't wise decisions. Now, one car purchase may not ruin your life, but extend that over the dynamics of of many serious and poor and often needless purchases, and you will find yourself at a destination that you did not desire to visit. How many find themselves financially strapped, unable to be the godly example that they ought to be for their families because of the financial decisions that they've made. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. He wasn't speaking of just our Sunday ways. All means all. In all your ways, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. In all your ways. In every choice, in every decision. What would life look like if we really included God in every choice? Lord, what is it you would have me to do? You see, it takes us a while to figure some of this stuff out, doesn't it? It took me a while to become to that place where I have absolutely no um, debt outside of my mortgage and a student loan. That I live debt-free, basically. Pay for what I can afford. I've always, we've always done that as a couple. And yet, uh, we probably borrowed a little more than we should. And you know, it took us a while to figure some of those things out. And time increases our knowledge. What would life be like if we really sought God in each decision? You know, that's one of the reasons we do financial peace. It's one of the reasons we spend time in prayer is to help people because it frees them to become the person, the people that God has created us to be in all your ways, not some, but all your ways, in every arena of your life, with your time, your talent, your resources. And be careful not to bury your resources. You see, all of us have been given time, talent, and resources. And we're to use it to the best of our ability. We are stewards of what God has given us with our time, our talent, and our resources in all your ways. 
And if we're not careful, we'll bury our talent for fear. We'll bury our talent um, for one reason or another. And yet God calls us in all your ways. And then he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All of us have one time or another listened to a public speaker and and they get up uh, during a fundraiser or some event and they begin to say, uh, you know, I want to acknowledge so-and-so for their blah, 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 blah. (laughs) We've all heard it every time. You know, we always, every evangelist that comes to the church, you know, I want to tell you how much I love Pastor Rex. And, and, you know, there's always this kind of shout-out. It's not just a tip of a hat. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's not a tip of the hat. Oh, oh, by the way, God. It's allowing God in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your choices acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. I have a question for you this morning. What direction are you headed? We're going to sing a song in a moment. It's easy for us to get off course in life. And the question this morning is this. What direction are you headed? I, I've forgotten the song. You remember, Heather? It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. We're going to stand and sing that song. And if for one reason or another you've gotten off course today... I want to tell you something. There's nothing sweeter than in all your ways acknowledging Him. For He will make your your path straight. He will comfort you. He will guide you. He will strengthen you. He will empower you. You see, that's why His Holy Spirit came. He dwells in you. Those of you who are followers of Christ, are you following Him today? In all your ways, are you allowing Him to direct your path? We want to open the altar and just invite you to come. Maybe you just need a course direction, recalculating. And we invite you to come and say, Lord, I want you to be in charge of all my ways today. For it is sweet to trust in Jesus.